Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. This past week I had this very real memory of playing with a friend when I must have been eight or nine years old. And this childhood friend and I were playing with Transformers and GoBots, which were like, you know, robots that transformed from cars into robots and back again. I had all my Transformers and GoBots, and my friend I had all his Transformers and GoBots all laid out on the floor in the living room of the apartment I lived in with my mother. And I must have been playing with one of my friend's robots and trying to move one of the robot's appendages in a way it wasn't meant to be moved, and I broke it. Now, accidentally. And my friend looked at his broken robot, and of course I said, I'm so sorry, Mike, that was an accident. And Mike said, well, now I get to break one of your robots. And I'm pretty sure I said, well, I, I'd rather you didn't or something to that effect. And I don't recall exactly how the broken robot issue resolved itself, but I'm fairly certain I apologized enough that Mike agreed to not break any of my robots. But remembering this anecdote from my childhood did make me think about how funny it would be if adults resolved disputes the way Mike wanted to. Imagine accidentally backing your car into someone else's car and denting their bumper, and instead of going through insurance, the person whose bumper was damaged said, well, now I get to put a dent in your bumper. I thought this was a funny idea. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There is no merchandise for this podcast. There is no Patreon. There are no ads. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love this show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some wonderful fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my novels. I'm the author of 10 self-published books that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. If you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People are the enemy listeners. This is episode 291 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you for checking it out. It's good to have you along. Do I need to tell you that you're rocking with the best? You are. We're going to make you smile. might even make you cry. But not too much. Of either. 
Let me back out of this. And we'll get down to business. Gently now. Thank you, Paul Barman. That was uh, the instrumental of How Hard Is That by MC Paul Barman, a past guest of this show. Do I want to talk about that interview? No. <laughs> it was awkward. I still love him. I should have known, though. You know, he's a wise guy. Yeah. Real awkward times. That's okay. How you doing out there? You been keeping cool? Boy, oh boy. I'll tell you what. This heat is not good for my temperament. I was a grouch all week. I tried not to take it out on the people I love. I really did. But I was uh, just in a grouchy mood. Speaking about being in a grouchy mood... Holy moly. Cardi B went from like 1 to 10 in terms of grouchiness <laughs> when somebody threw a drink on her. Did you see this? There's been these incidents where, you know, people from the audience are throwing things at people on stage. And I don't know what the story is with this. I, the, only, the only instance of this that I can recall is, I, I think it's like a live performance of Jane's Addiction. Where somebody threw a, a Birkenstock. And if you don't know what a Birkenstock is, it's it's like a leather sandal at Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction while he was performing once. And the other incidents I remember of this is, uh, and I think it must have happened somewhere, I think in Norway, where they have a tradition of throwing candy at the performers. And somebody threw a lollipop and it hit poor David Bowie right in the eyeball. Yeah, he was okay. But uh, the other day, in Las Vegas, Cardi B was performing. Outdoors. Looked like some kind of club. And when I say club, I mean like, you know, like a... Uh, like a resort-type club. At least that's what the way it appeared. It didn't appear to be like a huge venue or anything like that. And she's wearing this beautiful orange dress. Looks like a beautiful day in Las Vegas. Again, it was outdoors, so the sun was out. And some ding-dong <laughs> decided it would be funny to throw his drink on her from the audience. And I don't know, it looked like water. It looked like this jet of water kind of shooting at poor Cardi B. But as if, you know, as if it was thrown from a glass, not like a, you know, consistent stream, but it, it appeared to be a clear liquid, or at least that's how it looked. And it hit her, this water, or this martini, or whatever it was, this vodka, perhaps. And her immediate inclination <laughs> was, to, was to hurl her wireless mic into the audience, <laughs> directly at this person. And boy, oh boy, she got an arm. This mic went end over end, right into the audience. It looked like it hit the person that threw the drink. And then, of course, there were handlers who got involved immediately. And the one thing that didn't seem to affect anybody who'd seen this video, or nobody seemed at least to comment on it, they were more commenting on the fact that Cardi B had a, a drink thrown at her and she retaliated. But 
Like, the music kept playing, and you could still hear rapping, meaning Cardi B, except her lips weren't moving, so as if she might have been lip-syncing, or maybe just playing to track, perhaps? But uh, regardless, I guess good for Cardi B for standing up for herself. And it's the last time I imagine that person will toss anything from the audience at a performer, because that couldn't have felt good getting hit with that mic, you know what I mean? Whenever there's trouble, whenever the double, we're the pound If you've got the crime, we've got the time, we're the pound I wanted to complain a moment for about uh, about these no context podcast starts. I don't know if if you listen to a lot of shows, I do. I tend like I don't watch any programs really, any kind of like scripted programming. I tend to if I'm watching television, I'm watching people be interviewed from the past or even the present. And of course, like these days, a lot of folks will film their podcast and then upload it to YouTube, you know. And uh my YouTube algorithm knows I like this stuff, so it feeds me these shows, you know. And sometimes it'll be folks I know, and sometimes it won't be folks I don't know. Meaning the meaning the hosts. But either way, I think it's important, if you're the host of a podcast, to give a little little preemptive, you know, introduction of who you're talking to and, you know, what that person is known for. And there's a lot of folks that don't do this. It's very odd to me. You know, obviously, if it's if it's somebody very well-known, you don't really need to give an introduction. I understand that, and I accept that, you know. But in the case where it's it's not a well-known person, I don't, I don't, I, I, I won't watch an interview with somebody where they don't give any context as to who this person is that the interviewer is speaking with, or what that person is known for. It, it drives me kind of bonkers. You know, I try to give, you know, a nice introduction for all the guests that we've had on this show. And even like, you know, well-established podcasts who have like very well-known guests on. And I'm thinking like right now of like Mark Maron's show, WTF. Who's had, you know, he had Barack Obama on. Everybody knows who that person is. Probably the most famous person in the Western world, right? But the point is, even though Mark will start an interview from sort of the middle, it kind of like, you know, if you've ever listened to any of his interviews, you can kind of hear it kind of like fades up and they're mid-conversation. And sometimes a person will say, are we, we going? You know, and Mark will say, oh yeah, we're going. But he still recorded an introduction to play previous to that. You know what I mean? And that's all I want. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? <laughs> oh dear. I found a couple funny things on TikTok I wanted to share with you. Let me uh, let me get into that. But before we do, Bloodhound Gang, please. Whenever there's trouble, okay, the first thing I found was. Uh, this gentleman, older gentleman, looks to be maybe in his 50s, with an outdoor cat who is not happy that his outdoor cat is spending more time in his neighbor's yard. 
or spending a considerable amount of time. And you may have heard this clip. I'd only heard it for the first time this past week. And this is an edit of that clip, because it is kind of long. But you'll understand immediately. Basically, uh, the man is... The, the you know, 50-something-year-old man, neighbor, is getting mad at this younger man, who appears to be maybe in his 20s, maybe in his 30s, uh, because he, he doesn't believe he's doing enough to get the cat out of his yard. And he seems to be envious that his cat... I believe the cat's name is Mercury, is spending too much time in his young neighbor's yard. And the young neighbor is the guy who's filming this. And uh, it's kind of ridiculous and hilarious. Uh, so here it is. Take a listen. I just want to be clear. You're upset because we made friends with your cat? You're unreasonable people. You're holding our cat. Go in your yard and say, Mercury... Go home. Don't come in our yard anymore. She not She's a cat. She doesn't speak English. It's a cat, dude. Really? Okay. All right. Well, we'll have the police department figure it out. Absolutely. Great yeah. idea. Cat pervert. <laughs> I have done. I've done nothing to bring the cat. I've done nothing to bring the. You're angry because your cat is in my yard. You know what? There's a crime about you harboring my cat. What crime is that? Against the law. What crime is that? It's called harboring an animal, cat pervert. <laughs> I think uh, I think you could find that clip just about everywhere if you uh, if you look up cat pervert. And when I say everywhere, I'm sure it's on any kind of streaming social media. But I happen to find that one on TikTok. And there are a couple other cute ones that I wanted to play for you. Obviously, I don't know if you consider that one cute. It was It's it's funny, I suppose. It's weird <laughs> that a man would be that upset about his cat spending time in his neighbor's yard when the cat is an outdoor cat and can basically go wherever the heck it pleases. I'll never forget one time looking out my kitchen window and seeing our cat like walking out of my neighbor's garage. <laughs> As if she owned the place, you know what I mean? It's funny. Okay, these other clips I wanted to play for you are meat cutes. And if you don't know what a meat cute is, it's M-E-E-T cute. Uh, basically, it's how couples met. And this guy on TikTok, and I'll give, you, I'll give you his profile after I played these, but I found a couple, and I thought they were really, really uh, charming. And uh, I thought these would be fun to share on the show this week. But these are older couples uh, on the street, of uh, New York, on the streets of New York, describing how they met and uh, telling their story. And I'm going to, I'm hope I'm hopeful that you'll be able to hear this well, because uh, there's a lot of background noise. But uh, I'll give you a little bit of context. <laughs> Speaking of context, the first couple is, uh, they appear to be in their, their uh, maybe mid to late 70s, and uh, a man and a woman, and they're old time rock and rollers. Here, check it out. Excuse me? Sorry to bother you. Are you two a couple? Yeah. Would you mind telling me the story of how you first met? We're really too busy. Uh, we are both old rock and rollers, and uh, we met backstage at the Fillmore East. He was working there. I was hanging out. Okay. And how long ago was this? About 45, 46 years ago. My own question is, 45 years in, what's your favorite thing about him? Everything. What's your favorite thing about her? She puts up with me. Okay, what are you most excited for in the future? Spending time with each other. Yeah. Isn't that sweet? 
I love that. Okay, uh, this next one is a couple, and uh, sometimes the interviewer will ask their names, and sometimes he won't. Uh, in this case, uh, it's an older couple. This is Malka, or Malka, and Jacob, because I know that they they will mention their names at at some point. It's an adorable, a uh, little meet cute here of these these two people, and I'm hoping I'm hopeful you can hear them because uh, again there is some background noise, but uh, this is Malka and Jacob. Are you a couple? Yes. Would you mind telling us the story of how you first met? We met in uh, Israel in 1965, and after two months we got married, we were married 58 years. Congratulations. Thank you. How did you meet in, in Israel? This was matchmaking. Matchmaking. From a matchmaker. No, from the family. He won't believe it if I tell you, but I didn't speak his language. He didn't speak my language. But we connected. How did you connect if you didn't speak each other's language? We just looked at each other. He said whatever he said. I said whatever I said. What's your favorite thing about him? Oh, he's a very stable man. He says what he means. Very responsible, very loving, unconditional love. It's enough? Why? It's true. What's your favorite thing about her? One simple thing. Very open, and she is what she is. What advice would you give from your 58 years of marriage to some couple that have just met? See the good side of that. What are your names? Isn't that great? 58 years. I hope you could hear that okay. That was a, I know it's a little rough, if only because there's a lot of background information. And if you're interested in that, that profile, it's Meet Cute NYC on TikTok. And at this point, I'm going to hand things off to our friend Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened and commented on last week's segment. I've already got two new suggestions for song parody commercials. Thanks to longtime listeners Bob and Tony. I'm sure we'll find enough for a volume three soon. It seems to be a popular form of advertising. To listener Sherry, I completely agree on they're either perfect or terrible, and that I'm being glad when songwriters get paid. Pay your writers, pay your actors, pay everyone who's making you money. I'd also like to give a special mention to listener Tavy, who's going through some tough times. I hope that having a new app of People Are the Enemy makes your Monday a little more bearable. And also thanks to Jeffrey for letting me know that Rappin' Rodney's B-side was Rodney Dangerfield singing Funiculi Funicula. We're going back two weeks for a chart from July of 1976. The song you've been hearing so far is called BLT by Lee Oscar. It's at number 67 this week. It would make it to number 59. I picked it because it's fun and enjoyable, and it seems like it could be the basis for a lost sitcom theme. But I'm so glad that I researched it because I learned that the artist, Lee Oscar, was one of the founding members of the band War, and he stayed with the group until 1994, playing on all of their albums. Lee Oscar was born in Copenhagen, Denmark, and got his first harmonica at age six. He moved to the U.S. at 17 to pursue a career in music. And his harmonica playing, notably on tracks like Lowrider, is considered important enough to Ward's sound that the member chart in the Wikipedia page has an entry for that instrument 
which I can't say I've ever seen on one of those before. Oscar had eight, at least eight solo albums, and he also during and after his time in war, and he also had releases with other duos and groups. This was his only charting single, but three of his albums did appear on the top 200 albums chart, and the one that BLT is from was his self-titled debut, and that was his highest charting album. Up next at number 50 is a song called I'm Gonna Let My Heart Do the Walking by the Supremes. That would make it to number 40. Uh, this was the first single off of the group's 28th album entitled High Energy, and it was written by the two Hollands of the Holland Dozier Holland songwriting team. At the time of the album's release, the Supremes lineup was Mary Wilson, Sherry Payne, and Suse Green, though recently departed member Cindy Birdsong's vocals appear on the track and indeed the rest of the album. I picked it because it was fun to hear the Supremes take on a disco song and also for the notability of it being the group's final top 40 appearance. The title refers to the slogan for the Yellow Pages, Let Your Fingers Do the Walking, which was first used in 1962. Up next at number 10 is Got to Get You Into My Life by The Beatles. And no, I didn't accidentally click on the wrong chart. This song was released as a single not in 1966 with Revolver, but in 1976 on the Beatles' nostalgia cash-in compilation Rock and Roll Music. According to a review on AllMusic.com by Bruce Eater, Capitol Records put together this album after the Beach Boys compilations Endless Summer and Spirit of America had been successful in 74 and 75 respectively. Eater also mentions younger listeners who were into Wings who are starting to look back and want to pick up something from, quote, Paul McCartney's first group. The timing of rock and roll music's release lined up with the airing of the Manson Family TV miniseries Helter Skelter, which also caused Renew's attention to the group's music. Fittingly, Helter Skelter was the B-side of Got to Get You Into My Life. The song has been described by Paul as an ode to pot written when he'd first tried smoking. Overall, the rock and roll music compilation is a mix of Beatle originals and their covers of early rock heroes like Carl Perkins and Chuck Berry. And the song Boys is on there. You really have to check out the cover art for this compilation. It looks so fake. It looks like a bootleg or something. For some reason, whoever put together the art put a bunch of 50s iconography on there like Marilyn Monroe, 57 Chevy, Coca-Cola. It's super weird. Our final song from the 70s this week is not on the chart officially. It's an album track on the same record as one that is. From the Yacht Rock web series, I learned of the Daryl Hall and John Oates song, Gino in parentheses, The Manager, which was on their self-titled 1975 release, aka The Silver One, that is mostly known for containing their early hit, Sarah Smile. That's the one that's on the chart. It is also known for how glamorous they look on the cover. The song is best experienced with its use in episode 8 of the web series, and it's about music executive Tommy Mottola. He really was their manager, and they were his first successful clients. Now on to the 80s, all the way to July 15th of 1989. I've picked a few songs that were big hits at the time, but in general, the late 80s and early 90s can kind of get forgotten, so I think it evens out. At number 84, on its way down from a peak of number 6, is After All by Cher and Peter Cetera. If you know me, you know I love an 80s movie love theme, especially if it's a duet. This one is from the Robert Downey Jr. Civil Shepherd rom-com Chances Are, which from a skim of the Wikipedia page seems like it was made after Peggy Sue Got Married was successful. Not quite time travel, not quite body switch, but somewhere in there. 
Peter Cetera had left Chicago three years prior and had topped the charts twice, once with a song from a movie, The uh, Karate Kid Part 2, and another time in a duet with Amy Grant. So why not combine the two for another hit? Cher was in the midst of a strong late 80s comeback. Her song, If I Could Turn Back Time, was on its way up the charts at number 77 this week. Unfortunately, there was no video for the song, after all, and Cetera and Cher have never performed it together live, though each has performed it on solo tours, with a member of their band taking the opposite part. At number 75 is a song called Dancing in Heaven, in parentheses Orbital Bebop, by the group Q-Feel, and here we have a song that was written and released in 1982, appeared in the 1985 film Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and now it is finally making the Billboard Hot 100 in the summer of 89, at its peak of number 75. Dancing in Heaven was written by Q-Field group members Martin Page and Brian Fairweather, who played bass and guitar respectively, as well as sharing vocal duties. The song appeared on the group's self-titled 1982 album and was an entry in A Song for Europe, which is kind of like a play-in for the UK's Eurovision entry. Dancing only made the bubbling under back in 82, but according to song facts, LA's K-Rock played it enough to get the group noticed by people like AAR executives and lyricist Bernie Taupin, which led to further opportunities in the music business. I couldn't find another movie it would have been in in 89, so I can only conclude it was part of the re-release craze of that year, and that renewed airplay got the single released yet again. Martin Page went on to score a hit in 1994 with the song House of Stone and Light, and when I read that that was from the same guy, you could have knocked me over with a feather. And he enlisted other members of Q-Feel on that record. Finally, from the 80s, a pair of tunes from Bobby Brown. At number 41, on its way down from a peak of number 3, is Every Little Step. This was the fourth single off of his second solo album, Don't Be Cruel. This was a number 3 pop and number 1 R&B hit, and Don't Be Cruel topped both of those album charts as well. I was all in on New Jack Swing at the time, and I feel like it needs a comeback. This one had a pretty iconic video, the white void, the giant letters, male and female dancers, and Bobby's Gumby-style high-top fade with the cut lines on the sides for flair. Even white boys, like my brother, had to have those little cuts in the sides of their hair. One of the background singers on Every Little Step is Karen White, which is on the charts with a song of her own, uh, Secret Rendezvous, at number 29 this week. And then at number 12 is the song On Our Own, also by Bobby Brown from the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. And that would make it all the way to number two. For a personal story, uh, my brother was a huge Ghostbusters 1 fan from watching it uh, on a VHS tape. So as our family, we were all very excited to see the sequel. And I can remember the day that we were going to go see it. We were going to go down to Des Moines. It was that big of a deal. And had the radio on all day. And this song kept playing as well as uh, Michael Damien's Rock On. And with this song, you get to hear the rap verse twice, which I felt made it easier to learn. And I can remember even my parents would quote the line of too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Like for years, if something was hot, they would mention that. Um, Bobby Brown had another song on the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack called We're Back that he co-wrote. That was actually written first and then they came to him with On Our Own. And he has a cameo as a doorman in the movie. There was one other single released from the album, which was Run DMC's cover of the Ghostbusters theme. However, that did not chart. Um, I haven't heard it yet, but I want to. And I gotta hear what the new lyrics they came up with for part the, for the sequel. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy.
Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff, as always. This has been episode 291 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. Rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. We love you. Peace.